And when Little Church goes on a mission trip, we're not just going to sow into people that God has connected us with to give out and praise the Lord. We, we, we did a lot of good stuff for them, come back, and life goes on as normal. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's just not the way that I operate. Relationships are the currency of the kingdom. So when God wants to get something done in the world, in his body, he does it through his body connecting with one another. The connection of the body of Christ. And God has connected me with two amazing, mighty men of God in Uganda. One named John Wandera, which we'll see pictures of him in a little bit. John Wandera is like an African dad to me. He's, he's like my spiritual father from Africa. If you meet my American father in Louisiana, and then you meet John, you'll think they're the same guy, except they have a different skin color. <laughs> uh, John has planted over 300 churches in Uganda. And, uh, and as a spiritual father to, to those, he's also planted over 300 house churches in South Sudan. He also uh, leads a network of churches in Kenya and in Tanzania. And he also does pastors' conferences all throughout that whole area in partnership with my father and myself. Um, John is an amazing, mighty man of God. And then Dr. Ben, who is also a spiritual father on the western side of Uganda, has planted many churches, runs three different schools, and is like extremely connected um, as led by the Spirit of God in the Anglican churches of Uganda, which is very interesting. And it's just been, it was an amazing time. And so I knew that we were going to go and have an impact in Uganda. But I also knew that getting these guys in contact with those guys would have a major impact in them. And what they would bring back would change you forever. And would also impact Nellis County in a real way forever. Amen? Because if it's a real relationship, relationships are mutually beneficial, right? We honor one another above ourselves. So we honor, not only do we go and serve and lay our life down to give out everything that God's given us, but we also honor what God's done in them such that we can receive from it and grow from it. Did you guys say we you grew a lot? All right, so let's just, let's just do this. Let's give a little precursor. Um, I want to hear two or three testimonies of just what you would say is the most impactful thing that happened on the whole trip. Well, we were in this church, Bart, Dixie, and myself. We were kind of there to preach the word. We ended up taking two and a half hours. We thought we were going to get wrangled up and put out. We did a salvation, we did healings, many people stepped up, and we prayed for this one lady uh, about her hearing. Her hearing popped out, she began to hear. Wow. Yeah. I, I think I did a good church, and you got So the pastor's conference, uh, there were eight or so pastors from all different denominations, um, and one of them was Pastor Justine, but before we got there, she had injured been in an accident. She was on a motorcycle and um, her leg was broken and her, I think her foot was broken as well. And it was all bandaged up. Okay, sprained down here but broken up here. And she was like that, bandaged and with a crutch. And God's just so good. Over the course of the trip, he put it on Gabe's heart to pray for her and he just prayed incessantly hours about it. And like, all of us got to participate in it. Like, we prayed. Except for me, I didn't. <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, but we, Daisy prayed over her, laid hands on her, and then we're at the, the final day of the crusade, and here I am a little bit, like, you know, chasing un unbelief a little bit, and I'm like, God, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like a pre-existing condition. She injured it this week, right? So, like, healing it now, like, I don't know, maybe that's outside your character to do that, but, like, don't you want to heal leprosy or something, or cancer? Not like a broken leg, it just happened. Like, she's got to go through the normal stuff. Well... <laughs> So silly. Put God in a box. Don't do that. That's what I learned not to do. Um, but so on the final day of the crusade, um, he's prayed over her for hours. She's prayed over her. We've all prayed over her. And God puts it on my heart. Like as I see her, she's underneath the tent. 
And it's like one final act of obedience. Jerry's just given a prayer on healing. She can't make it up there, so like it's just extended. And I like go over in obedience and I pray for her. 30 seconds later, I hear a commotion behind me. Gabe's recording it. I hope you have my video. She gets up and she unwraps her leg and she throws her crutch away. On the stage, like the whole thing, the whole place erupts. Like this, it was a big deal. That's Jesus. So for me, I think the biggest single thing was a heart change. Come on. I've got to, <clears throat> I've got to tell you guys <clears throat> that. Uh, don't need that yet. <laughs> so I've spent 30 years as a believer in sort of the evangelical tradition of church, very different from, we'll call this our church here, sort of spirit-led. And um, this is, you know, when I met my beautiful wife, Marna, five years ago, the Lord started moving me into a spirit-led sort of lifestyle. And I, I, I definitely concretely felt um, the Holy Spirit moving in a real way. So we've just been following him. And when this trip came up, the Holy Spirit told me very clearly, he said, come on, let me show you what I can do. And so I just recognized this was the perfect opportunity um, to let go of myself and you know what I thought I knew and just jump in the deep end and see what the Holy Spirit did. And the the short version is that, you know, honestly, um, I had some hesitation about David, following David and, and this church. And because it's so different for me. And what the Holy Spirit showed me through discussions with him and watching him and these guys, Ben and John, and even Ben's wife, Lillian, worse. I mean, I had so many opportunities just to go out early in the morning. We'd be sitting at breakfast and just talk to Lillian. And she loves to chat. And Ben loves to chat. And... Um, getting to see, getting to hear their story and what the Holy Spirit has done in their ministry. They have an unbelievable ministry over there. And we got to see a lot of it. And John, I think, is sort of the same thing, although all the things he, he's done um, weren't as visible to us because we were more focused on Ben's uh, um, various schools and things he started, but um, getting to see what these guys have done and getting to know David and getting to see his heart just allowed me to realize, yes, these are men I want to emulate in my Christian walk. So that's that was an amazing work. Thank you, Jesus. You have to understand the stories. You need to understand a little bit of the background of why we went to Uganda, how this happened. I've been praying, and, and you know, it's part of my, my DNA is the global body of Christ. So, and, and I know, I have known in planting this church that we would be a church that changes and has a major impact on the culture of Pinellas County in major ways. And that is a major part of our focus. And in doing that, though, you can't follow Jesus and not be ascended church. Yeah. Like, God is ascending God. He, Jesus commissioned us. So all of you are commissioned, you know, by God to be missionaries everywhere that you step. Yeah. Like, you, if you are a disciple of Jesus, then you are a, a missionary everywhere you go because you're on mission with him. Yeah. Like, you're commissioned <laughs> with us. And, and with the Holy Spirit to change the culture of your job, to change the culture of your family, to change the culture to a kingdom culture that reflects his character and nature because you're there and the Holy Spirit's in you. Amen? Amen. 
So, so with that, I know on a grander scale, we're going to not just impact Pinellas County, but be ascending church. Yeah. And, and send people all over the world and receive from all over the world. And so I've been praying, like, Lord, when will we get to take our first mission trip? And God confirmed it that, you know, back in November, December of last year. So I began praying and thinking towards it. And I was honestly just thinking that, you know, we're taking a bunch of guys that probably never been on a mission trip. We're going to do something simple, maybe go build some buildings, you know, go and help out of school and, and, you know, disciple kids, which are powerful and amazing and very important things. And those mission trips are valuable to the body of Christ. And so I was opening up to everybody, no holds barred, no, anybody can come. And then Olivier had a dream. And if you've been around or integrated into our church, you know, the Bible says in the last days God will pour out his Holy Spirit and, and people will have dreams and visions. Well, many people in our church have begun having dreams that are prophetic and that are impacting lives and changing the world. And it's just kind of spreading, you know, um, almost contagious, if you will. Um, but Olivier has been very consistent and accurate in a dream that I was standing in front of, I think it was our church, and I, I called for people to go on a mission, and five people stood up. And I, I told them to go, and he said the people in his dream were very, and he had no idea I was thinking about taking a trip of gas to Uganda. He said the people in the dream were very excited, you know, and obedient, and wanted to, to go do it. So they went with all their heart, and the mission was to go and steal eggs. To go and get these, bring these eggs back. You know, dreams are kind of funny, okay? They're kind of weird. So just, just go with it. So, so they went, and they were excited, and they go to this place where they're going to get these eggs, and they find that they're not just any eggs, they're snake eggs. And they're guarded by a giant anaconda. And the giant mama anaconda is attacking them as they're trying to get these eggs. And they became really afraid. They didn't know what to do. And they looked back to the pastor, to me. They said, didn't you know? How could you send us on this trip? And the dream ended not knowing if they were killed. They were done. And I took it. I knew what it meant. I knew what it meant about the, the mission trip that we were going on. And I knew that what we were doing, we were going to steal what is valuable to the enemy. Amen. And I also knew that if I didn't prepare the people that went, that they could be damaged. And so I began to pray and ask the Lord, well, what are the guardrails to make sure the right people go? And so one of those that had to pay their own way, had to believe by faith that God could, could support them and pay for their, their flight and their food on the ground and stuff. But then also, they needed to walk with me through a nine-week Bible study called Experiencing God by Henry Blackwood. And so we began, we started out in February, and if they didn't finish, they wouldn't go. And I just want to ask for you guys, how, what's a couple of the principles that you'll take from that study for your life, and how did it prepare you? Well, for me, it was the crisis of belief, uh, which essentially, essentially asks, what do you believe about God? And if it turns into uh, a constant questioning of God, not understanding who he is, what his nature is, and what he can do, you'll never see him fulfill that. Um, and so I didn't believe that God could provide because um, I was always in debt and always had these things in my life. Um, but I said, okay, I believe that you can. Um, so leading up to it, I don't know if you were gonna tell it, but just real quick, uh, the week before I left, um, I counted the cost and I, I asked God uh, for a demonstration of power. And so in my business, we did one, in one week, a full month's worth of sales. So he was going to shut his business down for 10 days, and, and he was going to lose all that money, right? And so he was concerned, and the debt thing is a strong, was a stronghold in his life. God used this trip and this whole process to break that and cause him to be radically generous and show him that he could provide. Amen. 
You know, and so we prayed about that, and and you needed, if you, if you don't mind saying, or you want to say, you needed how much, and then how much did God give? So the number, and it was not a small number, so 36,000 was what I calculated, and that Saturday before I left, it was 68,000. <laughs> They, they call me short man, so I could go on all day, but I'll pass it on. <laughs> well, you have to understand, in hearing these testimonies, and this is just the beginning, they're going to hit on different aspects of your life where, where you are struggling or doubting God moving. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if you hear a story of what God's done in us or through us, well, that, that is showing you what he wants to do in and through you. Yeah. So believe that. Some of you are going to be free today from like the stronghold of mammon, of money, of debt, and realizing that you can trust God and release. You know, some of you are going to be healed today. Some of you are going to literally experience miraculous healing in this service as we're doing it. Um, some of you, maybe you've never experienced a relationship with a God who can literally impact every aspect of your life. Some of you are going to be born again. I pray you receive that. God loves you and cares for you. The other thing, I call this, this guy now that he's like the mighty man of faith, Gabe, is uh, he didn't have his passport and he, like, because he lost it. And he couldn't get an appointment. So he, he finally got, a, we were supposed to leave on Sunday morning. He got an appointment in Miami on Friday. And you have to not only get a passport, but also a visa. And the visa you do online. And so he drives down for his appointment. He leaves at like 1 a.m. at 12 p.m. a.m. to drive down to get there at 8 a.m. And when he, about 6 a.m. or so, his car breaks down. And he's got a sister with him. And so he's like, God, I don't know. And I think he called Jerry. Jerry, what did you tell him? Go in the microphone so they can hear I was meeting with somebody and I saw this number come in. I said, man, I gotta take this. And Gabe goes, hey man, you know my appointment was this morning? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'm sitting beside the road. My car is broken down. I know what you're going to say, but what should I do? <laughs> I said, well, Gabe, you'll never know unless you go. I said, if you stop now, you will never know the answer God has for you. And I said, keep going. And he says, all right. And he prayed and he, he went. Yeah, so, so he went to the closest gas station praying that they would have a U-Haul. Found they had a U-Haul and a trailer exactly what he needed right behind the gas station. So he put his truck and his, his, uh, his vehicle on the trailer, drove to Miami, to the place, walked in late for his appointment. They didn't have one. And they usually don't take, I don't know if you know about you know the passport control, they usually don't, don't take appointments. They said, you know what, we'll do it for you. So then he, by the end of the day, like 4 or 5 p.m., waiting around, patient, and he finally got his passport. Now he's got to apply for a visa online. And we're leaving Sunday morning. So I called Dr. Ben. I said, hey, Dr. Ben, we got this guy. Um, uh, I don't, I'm not sure what to do. I told him the story. He said, well, let me pray. And he prayed. He said, I, and he prayed that God would give me wisdom. In that moment, I had an idea. And so I looked at all of our flights. And if we flew into South Africa, instead of Brussels, we wouldn't have we could uh, we wouldn't have to have a visa to get into South Africa. So it would give us all day Monday for him to get a visa. So I changed all of our flights, and he got on the plane without a visa to Uganda. <laughs> but, but here's the thing: it wasn't just like I'm hoping; it was God had already been moving step by step, like the money with his business, the thing, the miracle that happened in Miami. So like, by now we're finishing this thing because faith always finishes. So we, we changed all the flights. Monday, 
in the air over the Atlantic. He gets his visa to Uganda. <laughs> And his life's forever changed. Just a quick question. How has this whole process impacted your family? Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is getting a text from Kelly, my amazing wife, that my daughter was going around uh, and she had this thing of like, you know, I just see that like there's a monster stomping on the church. She's three. And, uh, you know, we had all of these things going on. And, and so, uh, her grandmother was like, well, let's pray about it. And so they pray, and then the next morning, Kelly asked her, like, hey, what, what's going on? And she's like, nothing, we prayed about it. <laughs> yes. and, and I just feel like we really understand the power of prayer through this trip, that, that we experience that, and you know, to get, get texts from her, like, you know, if there's somebody who's sick, you know, we just pray about it, that, you know, when we're together, there's something going on, we're praying. And, you know, this whole lead up through experiencing God through these trials and these tribulations and then see how it provides in each and every step, uh, that we're, we're just, there's no experience that we could have in the future now because of what we've experienced in this process. So I said, that God is good and that he will always provide in whatever it is. Amen. So, you know, obviously when when Olivier had that dream about we're going to steal what's valuable to the enemy, I knew this trip would be very significant for the kingdom of God. And then all of a sudden everything changed. Instead of going and building stuff and, and doing that kind of thing, we, we were on a mission. Uh, Dr. Ben asked us if we would be willing to do a crusade in a village that was overrun by a cult. And it was the international seat of this cult. It's actually an international cult in Canada and other places, but the palace is there. Would be would be willing to do that? Um, and of course, we said yes. Uh, encouraged by faith, uh, based on what the Olivier's dream was. But then also, we we ended up doing a pastors' conference uh, that was uh, brought multiple different denominations together for the first time: Anglican and Pentecostal. Uh, to, together under the same roof, we had, we had 300. And I got the numbers: 339 pastors and leaders on, I think, the second day that came under the same roof to hear this, and which is a big deal. We also got to preach the gospel in three different schools around Uganda. We got to preach at crusades, and you'll hear about those. I mean, God did a lot, and so we're just gonna we're gonna go through and tell you the story. I let them tell the story now. So this is our team. And they're amazing. But this is how we started. And of course, oh, hold on, look at that. There we go. This is us on the plane. Everybody's sleeping except Jerry. Jerry has a nickname for this trip. He gets a nickname every trip we go on. This one is Jerry the Hunter. He's planning his next kill. <laughs> and uh, so these are some, some other missionaries we met in an airport. And then there's one of his kills. Good. So you'll just see all these pictures with him and people he's led to Jesus in the airports on the way to the trip. Jerry, would you, would you just talk about it, brother? Well, you know, the week before we went on this trip, we heard a message of going from the natural to the supernatural. And um, yesterday I was walking along thinking about the trip, and the scripture came about. It was, uh, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this passing power belongs to God and not of us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Amen. For if we live, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Well, with these guys, I mean, I was just overcome by the by the supernatural Holy Spirit. And as uh, I was walking down the plane with that guy Michael. We were on the tarmac, and I overheard a conversation with him and another guy. Well, the guy opened the door, 
and he kind of stopped. So I stepped in and started sharing with him about Jesus. And before you know it, he says, I'm hearing you. I'm listening. And before you know it, I said, now you know you've heard this truth. You want to accept Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, to be born again. Yes. And we're sitting right there in the car line before we even get up on the plane. So we get on the plane, and David is actually sitting in my seat, and this guy Bones, the, the, the first guy, he was sitting there, and so David gets over and moves beside Casey. I sit down, and before the plane ever takes off, he's already, he's already born again. And so <laughs> David ends up, ends up discipling Michael in the front of the plane going to uh, Entebbe from Johannesburg, and I end up discipling Bones at the same time. We both give, him our, give them our Bibles. And so it was just a supernatural thing about it. Yeah. You might even say a little prophetic about what would happen because two Ugandans gave their life to Jesus on the way to Uganda. We got to be a part of it. Yeah, please. Um, what I wanted to say, kind of tagged on to that, is um, the second night of the crusade, Jerry preached. And... I remember standing in the middle of the field there, just sort of watching it all. And I was thinking to myself, well, we had, I think, four people go up that night, which was uh, a smaller, the crowd was smaller the second night. I think fewer people went up. And I'm just sitting back there thinking to myself, sort of sweating a little bit, thinking, um, and then Jerry starts into the, the healing uh, offer and, you know, I'm just sweating a little bit thinking, Lord, it doesn't look like you're really showing up here all that much. And you know what? I've also done, just a couple times, gone out with Jerry doing door-to-door. -door. And it's the same, the thing that I love about Jerry and that I saw a lot on this trip is that he's able to detach himself from the flesh. It's like, like in, in that... Uh, teaching time the second night he didn't waver you know when there are a few just a few people come on he didn't waver he didn't change his message and then you know what happened boom we had that lady I forget her name with the broken leg the next thing I know she's dancing around on the stage up there so it's just his faithfulness, and he never stops trusting the Lord, that the Lord's going to show up. And so that was just such a big takeaway. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Praise the Lord. Okay, so this Real is... Quick, baby. Go on. We forget, but the Johannesburg trip, I mean... We sat with a guy in between us. His name was Zara. Uh, he's a really curious kid, 21 years old. David starts in talking to him, uh, sharing the gospel with him. The guy's really smart, and uh, we find out later he's from Harvard. Uh, he's a rower there. And uh, David asked me to give him my testimony. He's like, just hold my work for a minute. Ask this guy to your left. So I started sharing my testimony. I finished, and I'm like, do you have any questions? How did that go for you? How's that, how's that sit? And he's like, oh, I mean, amazing, man. It sounds like God's really good. And Meanwhile, it's like an alley -oop. David's trying to give me a slam dunk, and I, I like just didn't catch it. So he's like, he looks back over to David, and David turns left, and he's like, so you ready to give your life to Jesus? <laughs> and so it's like, yeah. So then we decide we'll act it for the next like five hours, too. It's awesome. First reads. So this is our transportation. We spent most of the trip in that bus. <laughs> driving around and it's amazing. This is Dr. Ben, uh, full of joy. This is Kevin in 40 years. <laughs> uh, same personality, uh, full of Jesus and amazing. This is his wife, Lillian. And this is uh, my African dad, John Wondera. And this is Dr. Abel. Uh, he is the CEO of Dr. Ben's outfit ministry kind of runs everything that was our driver Andrew this is Sarah she was kind of over the prayer uh, for the trip and so she did a lot of the work on her knees which was beautiful this is the first day this is the pastor's conference uh, that we got to do and really 
I'd say, you know, I, I did most of the ministry the first two days. Bart got to preach too at the pastor's conference. And then, and then it was, man, our team got to do most of the ministry for the rest of it. And, um, but man, it's a joy to get to, to carry on uh, the DNA of my dad. My dad's did, I see, even just last year, they did 60 conferences throughout Africa, uh, training between nine and 10,000 pastors. And 2 Corinthians, basically the basis of, of the conference is 2 Corinthians 3, 6. For God has made you competent as ministers uh, of a new covenant, not of the letter that kills, but of the spirit that gives life. Amen. And so we basically take the, pul- the pastor's pulpits from, from law to grace, and it, it ignites revival in their churches and then in their villages, and revival happens throughout. So anybody, how did, how did the conference impact you guys? Well, just real quick, I wanted to say that the like revival is very much the spirit of this conference that these pastors are so hungry for revival for the community to experience God in a whole new way. And so the four different kinds of churches all came within this conference. So Pentecostal, Anglican, Episcopal, and I think there was a few other, you know, lesser denominations that they came in one house in unity and they, they were hungry for the spirit. Uh, and so that was beautiful to see and that, you know, it's by unity that you know the church is the reward, um, and so the, the conference. Uh, I was joking with them. I was like, "Well, that was great. That was about a year's worth of church that we just went through." <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was long days, but powerful. I mean, and, and John Madera is, is is my uh, who I want to be when I grow up because he's so powerful. Uh, he has so much energy, and he just really hammers in the points and hits you home with it. Uh, so the conference was. Uh, Four main powerful messages that are unforgettable. Oh. So, uh, somebody else, how, how did the conference impact you? Yeah, you, you got to preach at it. Come on. It impacted me. Um, the first day was Wednesday, and David and John spoke four different messages that day. But Dr. Ben asked everybody that needed prayer to come up. Come on. And we got to pray for them. Mm. And a lot of them did not speak English. We didn't know what we were even praying over. We were just praying. And so the next morning, I got to be able to be the first speaker. And I felt like I wanted to ask Alan yesterday, who was affected by the prayers that we did? I mean, who, who, who let God change them? And, and what happened? And I said, well, can I have two volunteers? There was 25 hands in there. Wow. Two of them actually came and gave their testimony, but all of these guys were just like you. They were facing this way, and I saw all the hands. And it was just amazing to be able to see how much God does. We will never know individually what happened, but God was working. Well, one of the testimonies I remember is one of the pastors who said, I could not read my Bible, and God healed my eyes so I could read my Bible. Amazing. That's good. Uh, anybody else on that? Um, the pastor. Okay, so just like you said, we, we prayed over like, and when we ask for healings in America, like if anyone wants to be healed, there's so much hesitancy in your mind. Your mind is like a limitation. It's like, no, nah, no way, thanks. So you see like 20% maybe come up, like 80% went up. And so, like you said, there was a language barrier though, so we didn't really know what we were praying for. Like, is it your knees, your head, how, how are you feeling, and did it take? Um, but Bart, uh, I mean, like he, yes, he asked about that, but he also the night before got like um, a sense from God that it was somebody's birthday and he wanted to bless them, and he acted out of obedience and actually did something with it. It was a step of faith, like, hey, can you ask like if anyone's birthday, like, if I want to bless them. So he did, and three people came up, same number that he had the vision about, and then as they're given testimony, the, the woman who went second has the microphone, and she, she's like, yeah, you know, so yesterday I brought my baby with me um, and myself, and they're distracted, you know, like they don't push um, carriages, they, they're just on them, and they go where the parents go. Um, and it was cool, we had a translator, but she says, you know, I came sick, my baby was sick, but this gentleman right here prayed for me and I was healed. And she pointed at me. And I've never, I've never had a So I talked about feeling faith, I was like, I, I, I didn't feel anything in that moment. I didn't have any 
fire come out of my hands and kind of electricity in my body. So like, I thought I was just kind of going through the motions, but like in faith, I knew where my heart was. So like, my heart was there, um, and it was just such a God thing to to say, "Good job, son. You did what I asked you to do." All right, so that's the conference. That's a mighty man of God preaching the credit of righteousness, and man, he killed it. It was awesome. Um, now, I, I do have to apologize. We couldn't figure out how to change, rotate the stuff, so when you're watching the video, you're going to have to go like this. Just bear, give us a little mercy on that. Um, it's all good. But this is KC dancing. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that that's rotated. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I think, I think we might keep it some sound. There we go. Okay. Uh, this is the crusade. So this is the night of the crusade, which you guys have heard about. Um, at the crusade, God just did amazing things. And I want to say this to you guys. Like, I preached the first night, I preached the second night, Jerry preached. And I preached just a simple gospel. Like, do you believe you can have a relationship with God? When sin separates us from that relationship with God and what it looks like to receive Jesus as your Lord. Like, three minutes, four minutes. And multiple people gave their life to Jesus, responded. Then, I went through. Where Jesus and the nobleman, the nobleman came to Jesus asking for his kid to be healed. And and Jesus said, He said these words. You won't believe unless you see a miracle or unless you see a healing. That's what he said. And a lot of times we take that as derogatory. Jesus was being derogatory, but I can tell you he wasn't. Because right after that, he said, Go, your son will be healed. And on the way home, his son was healed. So Jesus met him in his area of unbelief. And there's a lot of you that are there. And Jesus wants to meet you at your area of unbelief today. He wants to show you that, hey, yeah, you know what? He wants to heal people. He wants to do a miracle and meet you where you said, you know, you'd never believe. Because Jesus did that in Scripture. Then in John chapter 10, Jesus said, unless you hear, I mean, um, if you don't believe based on what I say, at least believe based on the works that I do. And so I just, I told them that. And then I told them the three levels of faith. The first level is very little faith, teeny weeny bitty faith, where, you know, the, the demoniac's uh, father, or he's, he's the kid that struggled with epilepsy and had, had demons and stuff, and the dad came to Jesus and he said, if you can, do anything, please help a lot of people, you, you come to Jesus, you came to church, but you don't really believe you can do anything. It's just more like, you know, if you can, please help. Um, Jesus wants to meet you there. Yeah. He met that boy's dad there, and he healed the boy. Every time Jesus confronted sickness in the scripture, it was you. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. So he wants to show you he's able to. The second thing, the second level of belief is a little thing, where the leper came to Jesus and said, if you're willing. And Jesus said, I'm willing to be clean. There's a lot. I think the majority of Christians in America think that Jesus is able, but don't think that he's willing. You know, if you know, that's a little faith. He's able. But if he's willing, I don't know if he will do it for me. Hear this from God through me. He's willing. He wants to heal you. He wants to impact. He wants to change your life supernaturally today by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then there's great faith, which is the woman with the issue of blood who did whatever she could to get to Jesus. If I can just get to him and touch him, I know. Because she knew he was willing and she knew he was able. And, and many of you, once you see that, you're just going after him. Keep going after him. The Bible says seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given. Yes. Don't stop. Yeah. Pursue him with everything you have. Amen? Amen. Yeah, please. Because that's absolutely me. That's who I was. Uh, you know, I'd go home from healings here and tell Marna, um, 
you know, what problems I had with what I saw. And talking with David on this trip, he just made me see that I just need a new attitude in my heart. Exactly what he just said. Um, you know, if I have a constant attitude of doubting and criticism, then I'm not going to get any closer. My faith isn't going to grow. I'm not going to get any closer to the Lord. But, you know, like I said about that second night of um, when Jerry preached, uh, that the lady whose leg that was broken was healed. And I saw her walking home, you know, so I'm, I'm sure that a broken leg was healed that night. But I felt like that was the Lord, you know, telling me personally, because that was a big, uh, that was a big um, request I put out to the people praying for me before I even left. It's like, Lord, I want to understand healing, and I want to see you work, and I want a heart change, so please show that to me. And I felt like that broken leg that was healed was him saying, well, here you go. And so I, I'm going to look at healing now with a completely different attitude, not of, well, well, that can't be right, or that's a headache, and, you know, to, to I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Come on. Amen. So, so for you guys, and I preached on words of knowledge about a, a, a month ago, and God gave, I mean, there's 15 people healed in the middle of the service from words of knowledge, right? Um, a, a word of knowledge is Jesus saying to one of his disciples, hey, Bring that person to me. I want to heal them. That's what a word of knowledge is. And he wants to confront you, your, the sickness that's going on in your body right there. And so I just, I just believe God wants to do that now. And why not, right? Why not in the middle of the message? Please. So, uh, yeah, one of the, the night after the last night of the crusade, we were the next day heading uh, out to where we were going to be to go to the safari. And we were not scheduled to be doing anything that night, but on the way there, we got some information that there was a crusade happening in this particular town, just a couple of minutes from where we were staying. And uh, they asked us to come. So David said, sure, why not, let's go. We had no indication of what was going on, that we were supposed to be there or anything. Well, on the way, I got this pain in my knee, my left knee. And I was talking to Bart and I said, man, I just got this pain in my left knee. I don't have pain in my left knee, but maybe this is a word of knowledge. Well, David overheard me, so he asked me, I gave him the information. So when we got to the crusade, he got up and spoke. He was giving a message, and then he started the healing process, and he gave the word of knowledge. He asked if anyone had a pain in their left knee. There were a few people that raised their hand, but there was one woman in particular that just my eyeline went to her from the moment that we sat down. And I kept watching her, and she did not get up. Uh, I think she might have raised her hand at one point. David prayed. He asked for anybody that maybe had some uh, healing or had felt anything better. So he ended up having three people come forward and give a testimony that they had been healed. And I just kept looking at her. I just was, I don't know, it was just something. And so he asked again. And she raised her hand. Or he prayed again and then he asked if there was anybody else and she raised her hand. Well, he went to her. And when on his way to her, I looked at Bart and I said, that's her. And he asked her, she stood up, and it was actually a little bit, I think I'll kind of let David explain this part, but it was a little bit uh, different than what we would expect, but it sure. definitely was. Well, this, this happens here too. Don't just think this is weird because it, it happens in Uganda. It happens here all the time. Um, you just probably haven't seen it because you didn't realize it. But when we gave the word of knowledge about the need, there was four people that stood up. For me, three of them were healed. She wasn't. Um, there were multiple. Then we we prayed for multiple different people to be healed, and there were multiple people that healed were healed. And it was in a part of the process. I was 
in the middle of preaching the gospel. So was going to do that and then preach the gospel again and more people were going to give their life to Jesus. It was, it was my hope. Well, this lady uh, stood up and kept standing. And so I went to her and I said, hey, you know, was it you with the left knee? She said, yes. I said, is your knee healed? She said, yes. She said, but I got fire in my right knee. And, and she said it in a joking way. So everybody kind of laughed. And I didn't really understand what she was saying. I said, so can I pray for your right knee? And she said, yes. And so I prayed for her right knee. And I said, is your right knee better? She said, yes. But now I have fire in my right ankle. And I said, huh. So I, I said, come with me. Grab her hand. And I pulled her to the, to the front. Because the, the, it, was a, it was a spirit of affliction. It was a demon. Yeah, yeah. You pray and it moves. Yeah. If that's weird for you, if you're not used to that, it's real. It's biblical. Yeah. Um, um, maybe shift your, your belief. So, so we, I get her to the front, and I, I, I tell everybody, I say, look, we prayed for her knee, and she was healed, but it moved, which shows it's a demon. She's not a demon. She's loved by God. God wants to heal her. Yeah. But there's a demon that's afflicting her body. And so I, I laid my hands on her ankle, and her leg began to shake, and then it left. And all the pain was gone, and she was healed. And Which was great, because God got the glory, and many people gave their life to Jesus, which is a beautiful thing. Um, so just to let you know, if you ever pray for somebody or if somebody prays for you and the pain moves from your elbow to your, to your, to your wrist, well, you know what it is. And Jesus is authority over every demon. Praise the Lord. So just cast the thing out. You do it. That being said, we're going to take a risk right now. Now, words of knowledge are always a risk. Okay? But I'm asking you to risk with us. Meaning, we're not a fake it till you make it type of church. So if we pray for somebody and nothing happens, you better not lie and say something happened. Right? Just say nothing happened. Um, if we give a word of knowledge and you don't have that, don't raise your hand. But please take the risk with us. I know it might be a little nerve-wracking. If we say, hey, we got this word of knowledge and that is you, well then please respond because you're showing that God's moving and it's building faith in you and building faith in the place. And Jesus is going to heal you. If that's the case, because he's confronting your pain or your sickness. And every time sickness or pain is confronted by Jesus, it's here. Yep. Right? Yeah. Every time I pray, it's not here. But when it's a word of knowledge, Jesus is specifically confronting yeah. it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and then if we just miss it, well, you know, we're growing in this thing. Praise the Lord. Give us room to grow. We're learning as a church body what it looks like to follow Jesus. Supernatural. But... Um, I think Dixie had a word of knowledge. Um, and if anybody else did, Bart, you had a word of knowledge. So would you, would, Dixie, what was the word of knowledge? And we'll just get them all together and then you guys can. Sure, it was a, a left heel. If there's any pain specifically, it was kind of a sharp throbbing pain mm -hmm. in the left heel. So if you, yeah, if you have any pain in the left heel, is there, is there anybody who has pain in your left heel? Yep. You, all right, would you stand up, please? That'd be great. Wonderful. Uh, Bart? I heard carpal tunnel. Okay. That's got most of you. Carpal tunnel. It, it's specific side. Just carpal tunnel. Anybody have carpal tunnel? In the wrist. In the wrist. Just stand up. Cool. Um, okay. Dixie, did you? Anybody else? Kevin, you had something as far as, I think it's, go ahead. Yeah, stomach pain. So that's um, a little more general, but praise the Lord, God has general pain too. Wonderful. Come on, I see you. Come on, beautiful. So I think what we're going to do right now is we're just going to pray for you where you are, and 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 then um, go from there. So Tacy, would you would you pray? For a Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And we thank you for who you've made us. And God, we just know that you are the all-powerful healer. And we know you're willing and that you're able. And we just ask for healing in these bodies. Mm -hmm. That wherever this pain may be, wherever the affliction are, that you just restore it back to just complete and total restoration of those bodies that heal, that carpal tunnel, that stomach disorder that you just reach in and you just touch these bodies that you just heal these muscles these tendons these uh, 
just bones, whatever the case may be. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name, complete and total healing in Jesus' name. Amen. So, see, super simple. Okay, now, um, I want you to test your body, and if it's 80% better, or 100%, 80% better or more, if you can tell. Um, anybody? If you wait a minute. Yours? You, yeah. Pray. I, yesterday, I was literally doubled over with the worst stomach pain I've ever had. And was the first time I've ever come to this church. And I felt, before the church, I got healing my body, just got warm. And I felt like the Lord healed me. And then yeah. you had stomach pain. And yeah. I, I, I'm the same way. I'm like, this is not, I just got to get through it, whatever. Um, and I didn't stand at first. I tried to stand. And I'm like, no, I need to stand.
I usually don't speak about matters of the heart, but uh, I was going to kill myself and murder my three children tonight. Uh, but I felt I needed to come to this crusade, and I've been delivered, and you know, got delivered depression. And you know, and I think it was like a, I think it was like a rededication of her life because she had grew up in the church and just kind of ran from it. And just, just so you know, when you run from what God's doing in your life, the enemy can cut you up that bad. He wants to you to walk in freedom. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You're, you guys okay with me finishing? Yes. Well, a few of you there are. <laughs> the, re the rest of you. This is us on the safari. We got to see 13 lions, which is cool. I'll let you know if there's some. Uh, they didn't get in the car with you, did they? <laughs> no. We wouldn't go live. Uh, so this is one of the Episcopal churches we preached at. Uh, Kevin and Jerry preached there, and would, would you just share what happened, one of you guys? Jer Go ahead, Jerry. I mean, so they, they went to a, an Episcopal church that doesn't experience this a lot of time, or an Anglican church, sorry. And yeah, we get there, and I walk in, and I see it's a Catholic church, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I'm about to say something that's going to get me kicked out. And all of a sudden, they're getting ready to start the first service as English. Well, we go into this little chamber, and here's Pastor Chris and all of his stuff, and the sister, and then the bishop, and I'm sitting there saying, man, this is, this is stuffy in here. And so he says, he looks at me with this stern thing like, you better be bringing the word. And I'm like, hey. So, so we go out and they go through all the little regime that they do. And Kevin goes up and he shares his testimony. And then I get up there and I start bringing the word. And he's sitting behind me. And so I get to John 3.30 and I said, man, this could be the thing that's about to get me kicked out. And then I said, uh, so John 3.30 says, he must increase, but we must decrease. And when I said that, he goes, amen. I said, man. I said, but we got it all wrong. I said, because we must decrease so that he may increase. I said, we must, we must receive all of his increase to let go of ourselves. Because if we're trying to decrease in our own strength, we're always focusing on our sin. And so he didn't say anything. So we get up and we, we, we go back to the chamber. And the... Uh, our, our interpreter, he came along alongside of me and he said, you know, if that word wasn't good, he would have told you right then. It's nonsense. So we get in the chamber, we're sitting down. He pulls his robe off. The sister pulls her robe off. He smiles. He sits down. We start having tea, bananas, and bread. And then he looks at me and he says, you know, that word. He said, I just wanted to keep eating that word that you were giving out. And I said, praise the Lord. Which is, which is so important for us. A lot of times we just focus on trying to decrease, 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 and the focus is ourself. But the, the, the flip is what he's saying. we got to focus on him increasing. And if our focus is Christ, then he will multiply. And we will naturally. We will decrease. Yeah. Um, One last thing we're saying there. Um, at the end, uh, they had some guy get up who was building a church for them. And he was like a, a, an elder in their congregation. And he had said, you know, i got to be honest, guys. When we see media... Uh, reports of what's happening in America and whatnot. We see white people and we don't think Americans know God. They, we think that Christians are fakers. And you guys brought authentic gospel, like biblical teaching in your last show. So that was like. Yeah. I want to let you guys know we usually end at least by 11 30. 11 25, 30. We're going to go till 12 today. And I apologize. Uh, but we have a baptism, and we can't rush through that. So if you're if you're getting baptized today, um, I, I want I want you to go prepare, and I also want to want to do this, and I don't want to rush through this. Look, if you're hearing all this and you realize you don't know God, like you, you just realize you've experienced the power of God, you've experienced the presence of God, and you're hearing these testimonies, and your heart's burning because you want to know Jesus like this, but you know you haven't. Well, maybe you need to be born again. But I'm not saying that derogatory. I'm saying God loves you, and He's He's pulling on your heart. If you if you didn't believe because of the things you've heard in the past, at least believe because of what you saw Jesus do today. And He wants to impact every aspect of your life in a real way. So, 
So I want to give you the opportunity to be born again. Jesus said in John chapter 3, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. Right? Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of my friends in other denominations, uh, certain denominations, they think the born again are the weird ones. No, the born, Jesus said you can't see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. And he, he defined it as being born of water and then born of spirit. Well, you and I were both born of water. Your mama's water broke. We were all born of Adam. But we need to be born again. We need to be born of Christ. Jesus said, when you believe in him, he gives you the right to become children of God. Children not born of a natural descent of human decision, but born of God. Born of spirit. So when we believe Jesus died for our sin and rose again, and we confess Jesus as our Lord, like what you're saying is, I'm not going to live for me anymore. I'm going to live for you. I might know what, not know what all that means, but I know you're going to teach me because you're good and you're a good father. So I'm going to trust you and say, yes, Lord, you're, you're the Lord of my life. In that moment, he washes away your sin, makes you clean, and puts his spirit inside of you. You're born of spirit. So that, like John 17, 3 says, so that you can have eternal life, which is knowing God. You can know the voice of God today. And walk with him like a baby. You might not be able to understand every word he's saying yet, but you spend time in his presence and grow and mature. You will. Hallelujah. He wants you to. So if I, as I'm speaking here, like I've never experienced a relationship with God like that, and I know that I need Jesus. I've seen him work. I've seen him move. And man, I want him to move in my life, and I want to encounter him in that way. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to be radically bold. I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you know you need Jesus, just stand up. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's somebody in here, your heart, you're like nervous. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. This is not a, a personal thing where you hide it from everybody else. If you're not going public with your faith, I doubt if you know him. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. If you're not speaking about Jesus, check what you really believe in your heart. Jesus loves you, and he cares for you, and he wants to transform you so much, so much, that your whole life is about it, and it's not about you anymore. You can't follow Jesus if it's about you. Like we say, you're my Lord. I'm not living for me anymore. Like God loves you so much. And the Bible says, he who finds his life will lose it. But he who loses my life, his life for my sake will find it. The only way to experience the freedom and the love and the joy is to say, no longer me, you, Jesus. And it takes saying, I don't care who sees it, I'm all in. So if that's you, if you know that I'm ready, I'm ready to be all about Jesus. I want you to stand up. Who is it? Well, I want to say this. I know it's a high pressure situation. The rest of your life following Jesus is a high pressure situation. He's always going to push you out of your comfort zone. Always. That's the only way to grow. But I want to say this. If you didn't stand up, God still loves you and he cares for you. Yeah. And he wants to invite you in a relationship anyway. So please, come and talk to somebody after service. Come and get prayed for after service. Come and we want to walk you into a relationship with Jesus where you encounter every aspect of who you are. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay. All right. I think they're finishing up getting ready for baptism. We're almost done with the slides. Oh, there's a... We, we don't need that. Take this hat. They love Jesus. They dance everywhere they go. Amen. Just cool stuff. We got to preach the gospel at a high school. That was one of Dr. Ben's things. And... Um, at the high school, let's see, this is the high school here. At the high school, 36 gave their life to Jesus. At the same time we were preaching at the high school, uh, 
then, I mean, Bart, Dixie, and Jerry preached at church, and many, how many came to Jesus? Probably about 50 kids and then about 20, 25 adults. Yeah, 50, 25 adults. And, and 15 people were, were physically healed. Thank you guys for your patience. Um, there's a picture of, of them, the ones that came forward to the life of Jesus at the high school. There's Bart in the hospital in Uganda. That's a, that's a whole other story. God's good. There's us in the Ugandan equator. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm oh, oh, Always. That's one of the something we can learn from the Ugandans. It's how to dance in church. A lot of times we're just like this and they just pray in the Lord.